0: Part 4 Preface Definitions and Axiom of the Ethics by Spinoza This is a LibriVox recording All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org Recording by OK The Ethics by Benedict de Spinoza translated by RHM Elways Part 4 Preface Definitions and Axiom Part 4 Of Human Bondage or the Strength of the Emotions. Preface. Human infirmity, in moderating and checking the emotions, I name bondage; for when a man is a prey to his emotions, he is not his own master, but lies at the mercy of fortune, so much so that he is often compelled, while seeing that which is better for him, to follow that which is worse. Why this is so, and what is good or evil in the emotions, I propose to show in this part of my treatise. But before I begin, it would be well to make a few prefatory observations on perfection and imperfection, good and evil. When a man has purposed to make a given thing, and has brought it to perfection, his work will be pronounced perfect, not only by himself, but by everyone who rightly knows, or thinks that he knows, the intention and aim of its author. For instance, suppose anyone sees a work which I assume to be not yet completed, and knows that the aim of the author of that work is to build a house. He will call the work imperfect. He will, on the other hand, call it perfect as soon as he sees that it is carried through to the end, which its author had purposed for it. But if a man sees a work the like whereof he has never seen before, and if he knows not the intention of the artificer, he plainly cannot know whether that work be perfect or imperfect. Such seems to be the primary meaning of these terms. But after men began to form general ideas, to think out types of houses, buildings, towers, etc., and to prefer certain types to others, it came about that each man called perfect, that which he saw agree with the general idea he had formed of the thing in question, and called imperfect, that which he saw agree less with his own preconceived type, even though it had evidently been completed in accordance with the idea of its artificer. This seems to be the only reason for calling natural phenomena, which indeed are not made with human hands, perfect or imperfect. For men are wont to form general ideas of things natural, no less than of things artificial, and such ideas they hold as types, believing that nature, who they think does nothing without an object, has them in view, and has set them as types before herself. Therefore, when they behold something in nature which does not wholly conform to the preconceived type which they have formed of the thing in question, they say that nature has fallen short, or has blundered, and has left her work incomplete. Thus we see that men are wont to style natural phenomena, perfect or imperfect, rather from their own prejudices, than from true knowledge, of what they pronounce upon. Now, we showed in the appendix to part one that nature does not work with an end in view, for the eternal and infinite being, which we call God or nature, acts by the same necessity as that whereby it exists. We have shown that by the same necessity of its nature whereby it exists, it likewise works. Part one, proposition sixteen. The reason or cause why God or nature exists, and the reason why he acts, are one and the same. Therefore, as he does not exist for the sake of an end, so neither does he act for the sake of an end. Of his existence, and of his action, there is neither origin nor end. Wherefore, a cause which is called final is nothing else but human desire, in so far as it is considered as the origin or cause of anything. For example, when we say that to be inhabited is the final cause of this or that house, we mean nothing more than that a man, conceiving the conveniences of household life, had a desire to build a house. Wherefore, the being inhabited, in so far as it is regarded as a final cause, is nothing else but this particular desire, which is really the efficient cause. It is regarded as the primary cause because men are generally ignorant of the causes of their desires. They are, as I have often said already, conscious of their own actions and appetites, but ignorant of the causes whereby they are determined to any particular desire. Therefore, the common saying that nature sometimes falls short, or blunders, and produces things which are imperfect, I set down among the glosses treated of in the appendix to part one. Perfection and imperfection, then, are in reality merely modes of thinking, or notions, which we form from a comparison among one another, of individuals of the same species. Hence I said above, Part two, definition six, that by reality and perfection I mean the same thing. For we are wont to refer all the individual things in nature to one genus, which is called the highest genus, namely to the category of being, whereto absolutely all the individuals in nature belong. Thus, in so far as we refer the individuals in nature to this category, and comparing them one with another, find that some possess more of being or reality than others, we to this extent say that some are more perfect than others. Again, in so far as we attribute to them anything implying negation, as term, end, infirmity, etc., we to this extent call them imperfect, because they do not affect our mind so much as the things which we call perfect, not because they have any intrinsic deficiency or because nature has blundered. For nothing lies within the scope of a thing's nature, save that which follows from the necessity of the nature of its efficient cause, and whatsoever follows from the necessity of the nature of its efficient cause, necessarily comes to pass. As for the terms good and bad, they indicate no positive quality in things regarded in themselves, but are merely modes of thinking, or notions which we form from the comparison of things one with another. Thus, one and the same thing can be at the same time good, bad, and indifferent. For instance, music is good for him that is melancholy, bad for him that mourns, for him that is deaf it is neither good nor bad. Nevertheless, though this be so, the terms should still be retained. For inasmuch as we desire to form an idea of man as a type of human nature which we may hold in view, it will be useful for us to retain the terms in question, in the sense I have indicated. In what follows, then, I shall mean by good, that which we certainly know to be a means of approaching more nearly to the type of human nature which we have set before ourselves, by bad, that which we certainly know to be a hindrance to us in approaching the said type again we shall say that men are more perfect or more imperfect, in proportion as they approach more or less nearly to the said type. For it must be specially remarked that when I say that a man passes from a lesser to a greater perfection, or vice versa, I do not mean that he is changed from one essence or reality to another. For instance, a horse would be as completely destroyed by being changed into a man as by being changed into an insect. What I mean is, is that we conceive the thing's power of action, in so far as this is understood by its nature, to be increased or diminished. Lastly, by perfection in general, I shall, as I have said, mean reality; in other words, each thing's essence in so far as it exists and operates in a particular manner and without paying any regard to its duration; for no given thing can be said to be more perfect because it has passed a longer time in existence. The duration of things cannot be determined by their essence, for the essence of things involves no fixed and definite period of existence, but everything, whether it be more perfect or less perfect, will always be able to persist in existence with the same force wherewith it began to exist. Wherefore, in this respect, all things are equal. Definitions 1. By good I mean that which we certainly know to be useful to us. (2.) By evil I mean that which we certainly know to be a hindrance to us in the attainment of any good. (Concerning these terms, see the foregoing preface towards the end.) Three. Particular things I call contingent in so far as, while regarding their essence only, we find nothing therein which necessarily asserts their existence, or excludes it. 4. Particular things I call possible, insofar as, while regarding the causes whereby they must be produced, we know not whether such causes be determined for producing them. In Part 1, Proposition 33, Note 1, I drew no distinction between possible and contingent, because there was in that place no need to distinguish them accurately. 5. By conflicting emotions I mean those which draw a man in different directions, though they are of the same kind, such as luxury and avarice, which are both species of love, and are contraries, not by nature, but by accident. 6. What I mean by emotion felt towards a thing, future, present, and past, I explained in Part 3, Proposition 18, Notes 1 and 2, which see. But I should here also remark that we can only distinctly conceive distance of space or time up to a certain definite limit. That is, all objects distant from us more than two hundred feet, or whose distance from the place where we are exceeds that which we can distinctly conceive, seem to be an equal distance from us, and all in the same plane, So also objects whose time of existing is conceived as removed from the present, by a longer interval than we can distinctly conceive, seem to be all equally distant from the present, and are set down, as it were, to the same moment of time. 7. By an end, for the sake of which we do something, I mean a desire. 8. By virtue, virtus, and power, I mean the same thing, that is, Part three, Proposition seven: Virtue, in so far as it is referred to man, is a man's nature or essence, in so far as it has the power of affecting what can only be understood by the laws of that nature. Axiom: There is no individual thing in nature than which there is not another more powerful. And strong. Whatsoever thing be given, there is something stronger whereby it can be destroyed. End of Part 4 Preface, Definitions, and Axiom. Recording by OK.